Well, good morning, Genesis. It's great to have you here today. Uh, my name is Paul Mumon. I'm the lead pastor for Genesis. And uh, if we've never met before, I preach most Sundays at our Noblesville campus. Uh, but always look forward to coming over here to share with you. And uh, if you've been coming to Genesis or if you're new today, man, I'd love to meet you. I'll be up front afterwards. And if you want to stop by and say hello, I'd love to uh, get to know you a little bit better. And uh, I don't know if you realize this or not, but uh, there is a special anniversary uh, that I think is worth at least acknowledging today. And that is that our Carmel campus here uh, for August is seven years of doing ministry out of this location. And uh, so that's worth celebrating. And uh, we are so grateful. I, I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been a part of it, who have come over the years. Like, just, just curious, how, how many of you came right at the beginning, right from the start? Put your hand up if you came right from the start. We, Genesis is 16 years old, all right? And uh, I think it was eight or nine years ago, we were growing so much out of our, what now we call our Noblesville location that we started praying about what was next, and uh, we felt like the Lord was leading us to starting a second location, and uh, so we did just that, and this became available. I think there were 120 that moved from our Noblesville campus to doing worship here, and over the years now, it has grown so much. Uh, we have, it's always tough to count because everybody didn't come to church every week, but we probably figure around 500 people that uh, in some way, shape, or form attend or call Genesis Carmel their campus, and so you can see how much it's grown, and not only that, but people that have come to Christ, uh, people that have found freedom in different aspects of their life, people who have renewed their faith in the Lord, children that are growing up, students that have moved on now and are moving out as disciple makers, that's, a, that's all a part of the mission. And it's just so great to see what God's doing uh, right now, not only through this place too, but for our church as a whole. You know, uh, we're growing here. Uh, we're also growing at our Noblesville campus. We're running out of seats and parking spaces over there. And so we're praying about those things. And I mean, you just see the influence that the Lord is giving this campus right here in the community with the block party. Uh, as the song goes that we sang just a moment, we do believe the Lord's on the move. And uh, we are listening to Him and we are really seeking to follow Him for what's next. We believe we've got some exciting years ahead of us, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. So thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your serving. Uh, thank you for your generosity uh, in, in all of that, too. And uh, let's just keep trusting them. We want to help people find their way back to God. That's what we're called to. So uh, thanks for your ministry and partnership in that. Let me pray. Let's give him thanks, and then we'll continue on. Father in heaven, we do thank you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for your uh, grace uh, for your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, uh, without you, without him, Lord, none of this is possible. And we thank you that the life, for the life that we have, and we feel like the life that you've called us to. Thank you for your provision over the years. Thank you for your continued leadership and, and guidance. God, we believe you have got a much larger vision for our church and for our lives than we do. And so we want yours. We want your vision. And so teach us to trust you. Uh, teach us what following you looks like. And uh, we pray that you continue helping people find their way back to God through our church, in this community, and all around the world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've got a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to take it and turn to Luke chapter 14. Uh, it's the third book of the New Testament. Uh, it's the life and ministry of Jesus according 
uh, to Luke and uh, Luke and uh, some of his work and research and, and these words have been made available to us. We're, we're, uh, it's page 729 if you want to use one of the Bibles around the room. And we'll also put the verses on the screen too. But uh, we're in this three-week series called In God We Trust. We started last week. And uh, what we believe, if you weren't here last week, is we believe that you know God, he, he not only wants you to experience life and salvation and forgiveness in him and through his son Jesus Christ, but he wants to free us from the stress and anxiety that can often cripple us in so many ways, and, and so often that has to do with money. I, I don't know about you, but I mean, as I think about my life and the things that I worry about, I mean, so often that can be traced to a dependence on money. And so last week we talked about our attitude and how our attitude really plays a big part and uh, can have an impact in the way we view money and therefore affect our faith and impact our faith in different ways. Today, I want to talk to you about the importance of having a financial plan, a God-honoring financial plan. I want to say this just right from the start. This message certainly feels a little different for me today, and it's probably going to feel a little different for you and maybe the types of messages you're used to hearing week after week. I'm only telling you that up front so that when you leave today and you say to somebody that came with you, hey, that message was a little different today. I told you up front. It's a little different today. It just it feels a little out of the norm, but I trust and I believe it's helpful. I do believe that it's from the Lord. That's what I've been praying. Uh, but I want to talk to you about the importance of having a financial plan in your life because plans are important. I, I don't know if you're a planner or not, I'm a planner. How, how many of you are signed up to run either the half marathon or the full marathon with World Vision this year? We got any runners in the room? Okay, we got a few of you. If you've ever done anything like this before, I ran my first marathon last fall, and I was really pleased with how I finished. It had everything to do with being on a plan. All right, and, and so my best advice to you is, if, especially if you're in it for the first time, follow the plan, all right? Stick to the plan uh, as much a, as you can because plans are important. Well, in the same way, I think having a financial plan uh, is important. It's one of the lessons that I've learned in my life and maybe one of the lessons that you've gained from. But it's one thing, I will say this, it's one thing to have a financial plan that produces results, and it's another thing to have a plan that also demonstrates your trust and your dependence on the Lord for everything because this is what God wants for you as a follower of Jesus Christ, all right? And so often, finances tends to be that one category we just kind of push off to the side and say, God, you can have all of this, but I'm going to manage the money side or the financial side of my life, but he wants all of it. He wants all of our attention and our focus, and more than anyone, he knows the unique power and influence that things like money and finances can have over us. Again, I, I think money is his greatest competition so often for our hearts. It is his greatest competition, and that's why it's so important that we have, if we're going to have and should have, a financial plan that does so much more than just make money or save money, but it's a financial plan that honors God at the very same time. So let's look at one verse where Jesus was teaching, and uh, he asked a crowd of people in Luke chapter 14, verse 28, if you're turned uh, there on, in your Bibles. Uh, here, here's what Jesus said. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, All right? So just imagine Jesus you're with him. This is definitely a teaching moment. Uh, the disciples are probably turning to each other. Say, okay, this is a teaching moment. Like he's going to teach us a lesson here. Right, he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Now, Jesus, just to be fair, was talking to this crowd about the cost of following him. 
All right, and so if you read this in context, like what it, what it really means to, to be sold out, to live wholeheartedly for Jesus. But I think there's also some wisdom in here about the importance of having a plan and certainly what it means to have a plan when it comes to your finances. And this question assumes the response, well, of course, Jesus, of course, if we were ever going to build a tower or undertake a project in any way, and certainly if it has to do with finances, like we're going to have a plan for how we manage these things. The interesting thing is that when it comes to having a financial plan today, most people don't. In fact, according to a recent career builder study, 78% of Americans with full-time jobs say they live paycheck to paycheck. 78% of Americans. Last week, you probably heard share. There's, there's something like the average American has $38,000 in non-mortgage debt today. Uh, there's currently $784 billion in credit card debt in our country alone, you know, uh, through individual homes today. Like, just think about the impact that this debt and this lack of a plan is, is having, you know, not only on our country and in our future, but on our, but on our lives. Like if you've ever been in a financial mess before, if you're in a financial mess right now, you know how a financial mess like that, it can cripple you, it can hold you back, and it impacts the way that we live and the way that we think about God. And, and so I think, I think many of us, because I've been here, I, I think many of us know we need a plan, but like why is it that we're so resistant to having a God-honoring plan. You know, I mean, you, you could say on one hand, I, I think it's difficult for some if you're just not a planner by nature, all right? It can be difficult to have a plan. Or, or we think maybe that having a plan means a loss of freedom, which, was, which isn't true because if you think about it, I mean, we, we often in greater danger of losing our freedom, you know, if we don't have a plan that we're following in place. And so I think we need to have a plan. I, I think you can study Scripture as a whole and see that God and, and Jesus, through his teaching, talk about the importance of having a plan, especially when it comes to our finances. And so I, I want to give you three practices today. They're in your notes. There's a good chance you've already filled in the blanks because you're like, I, I know this. I, I know this plan because not only do we talk about it here at Genesis, but you've just heard this about this plan and in, in, in different types of financial seminars if you've gone through those before. But it just has everything to do with giving and saving and living. That every God-honoring financial plan has three important parts to it, giving and saving and living. And these are basics I've been living by in my life and maybe basics that some of you have been living by or maybe some basics that you'll adopt uh, starting even today. But they're listed in this order on purpose, all right? And, and that's important to note because what we do with number one and number two ought to have everything to do with what we do in number three. Now, we tend to get these backwards because so often we'll decide how we want to live and then if there's anything left over, then we'll worry about the number one and the number two part. And so we're sort of intentional, unintentional in doing this. But I want you to know that I think it's every person's desire. I see this all the time. I, I see this more and more in our country today. I, I think it's every person's desire to live out number one and number two in a really faithful way. That kind of sounds funny, number one and number two. But uh, to live out, you know, this giving and saving in different ways. I think every person, I think every person here wants to be a generous person. I think we all want to be generous, you know, and, and someone who shares with others and gives to various causes and gives back to God through, through the church. And at the same time, I think every person here wants to be wise about the future. And you want, to, you want to set aside money for retirement. And you want to set aside money for maybe a car or a vacation or something like that that you want to take. Like, we, we all desire to give and save, and yet so many of us, I think we, we're, we're trapped. Like, we, we're, we're, we're crippled, you know, by the, the lack of finances or at least the financial situation that we're in. And so we... We feel unable to do so. Now, of course, some of you here, 
and I know that you've gone through some really difficult seasons, and maybe it was a, a health season that took everything and more that you had. Uh, maybe it was the loss of job, or you tried a company or something, and it didn't work out. I, I, I realize there's some, some extreme circumstances, uh, I want to be sensitive to that, that, that some of you have had to endure and you're still trying to get out of, but I hope you believe and trust that God can lead you through that that he is a God that can lead us through those valleys and those difficult seasons of life to a better place. But for the rest of us, like we can live out a plan, like give, save, live, all right, if we would decide to trust God, if we would decide to trust him with embracing some important principles, I think, that come out of each of these. And so I want to comment on just a few of these, uh, these three for, for just a few minutes with you this morning, just get you thinking. And, and maybe there's something specific that the Lord has for you today in all of this. But the first has to do with giving, because I think the first practice in a God-honoring plan has everything to do with giving. And remember, as Steve talked about last week, when we talk about giving back to God, and if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, this is true for you, you're not really giving anything back to God because it already belongs to him, all right? And so we are really returning a portion of our resources back to him because it all belongs to him. Psalm 24 one says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That pretty much covers all of it, right? That just covers everything for us. And so when we give, what we're doing is we're returning back to the Lord. We're investing in his kingdom work. We're giving back what already belongs to him. The Apostle Paul has this to say about our plan for giving. We'll talk a little bit about this next week. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, he says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having everything, all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I think there are so many good things that come out of these words here. First, I want you to notice that Paul encourages those of you that are followers of Jesus to have a plan for your giving, to decide in your heart what you intend to give. And then look at the promise and maybe underline it if you've got your own Bible. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly, all right, in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Basically, God promises to provide for everything that we will ever need. And he says, even in abundance, again, this is the promise for what you need. Now, on the, I think we need to be clear here, contrary to popular belief, that doesn't mean everybody gets a BMW, right? Uh, it doesn't mean everyone gets granite countertops, you know? And, and there's nothing wrong with, with either of those things, but those aren't needs, all right? And so aren't, those aren't necessarily the needs that he's talking about. No, the promise is that if we honor God with our giving, that he will be faithful. And he will make sure that we have everything that we need. We'll talk about this more next week, but, but something we've talked about over the years here at Genesis has everything to do with this image. We call it the generosity ladder. And I believe with all of my heart that God wants every follower of Jesus Christ to be a generous giver, all right, a generous returner to his kingdom work. And so again, we'll talk about this next week. You can't skip. If you're here today, you have to be here next week, all right? You can't skip because you know Jerry's going to talk about giving. But we just talk about, you know, generosity really begins wherever you are. And so for all of us, it just means our willingness to take a step with the Lord when it comes to our giving through our finances. That's basically our challenge to you next week. I'm just giving you the advanced look. Where are you right now? What does it mean for you to take a step with the Lord that says, I, I trust you. I trust 
trust you and I want to give. I want to return to you. And so we'll talk about if you're not giving anything to start giving something. If you've been giving something but not really consistently, what does it mean to start giving consistently? All the way to the fact that, you know what, there's no end to generosity when it comes to the Lord. Again, because it all belongs to him. He desires for every single one of us to be radical givers where it's all on the table. Everything that we have is in play for his kingdom work. And so we'll talk about this next week. And I love teaching this. I I love talking through this as hard as it can be sometimes because it's really made all the difference in my life. And I can say that for Jenny too. Our our quick story is this. I I grew up going to church, grew up in central Illinois, and I learned a lot of things about Jesus and, and following him. No one taught me anything about giving and generosity. Uh, growing up. And uh, it wasn't until that Jenny and I were married, and we were just attending a church at the time, and it seemed like the right thing to do. And so we'd, we'd give $20 here or there. There was really no intentionality to it. But then I got hired by a church, all right, to go be a pastor. And we sort of decided to hit us one day that if I'm going to be a pastor, and if we're going to encourage people to give, we'd probably better do it too, all right? Like we, we need to have that story, you know, and we need to be able to, you know, I need to be able to stand up and just say, hey, I want you to know I'm doing this. And so we did. That's how it started for us. We went from basically giving zero one week to 10% of our income the very next week. I, I'm just going to be up front with you and say it was hard. Like it, it was one of the greatest steps we had to take early on in our marriage to go from nothing to just even giving 10%. And, and it was one of the greatest sacrifices we made. And there are a bunch of stories I could tell you. The bottom line is this. We've been giving faithfully as a family for 20 years now, starting with 10%. The last 11 years here at Genesis especially, we've been increasing our percentage giving every year. It changes your heart. Like, we talk about the Lord having all of your heart. He's got a lot of work to do with me. But, man, more and more, I mean, through your, like, something happens when you take up this attitude of giving and generosity. Like, it messes with you, and it works on your faith in really good ways. And I know that many of you are already doing this, so you know what I'm about to say. But, like, when you're giving, when you're living generously, there is a joy that comes in watching the Lord work through your gifts, through those gifts. I mean, it's exciting to be a part of kingdom work. We wouldn't be here today, this campus, if it weren't for generous people like many of you that have been giving to the work of the Lord. Amen. Praise Jesus. Let's keep going in that. It's a wonderful thing. God is faithful. He is faithful. He will give us everything that we need, and even in abundance sometimes. And uh, again, It has a lot to do with your heart. It messes with your heart. So the first practice in a God-honoring plan is to make a commitment to incorporate some giving, to have some giving in there. The second thing is, and just to make this practical, I'll add some numbers to this plan. And again, you've probably seen these numbers before, but these 10, 10, 80 numbers, it's another helpful way to look at a model like this, and that is that I'm going to give 10% of my income, I'm going to save 10% of my income, and I'm going to give away, or I'm going to, excuse me, I'm going to live off of uh, 80% of that income every month. And so we talked about giving, let's talk about the importance of saving uh, for just a few minutes. And, And why is saving important? Cars break down, right? You know, kids are expensive. You know, they're really expensive. And their teeth aren't straight all the time. And so you do, there are rounds of braces. Like, shouldn't they be able to knock that out in one round? But you got to do several rounds of braces. And emergencies are bound to happen. And if you haven't saved, if you don't have savings, like you're forced to borrow. Now, debt isn't sinful. 
All right, debt isn't evil, but, but it can be dangerous, all right? And so you have to be careful how you use it. Here, here's what the Bible has to say about debt. Just as a reminder, Proverbs 22, 7, it's just, it's just a principle that the borrower, is, or is, the borrower is a slave to the lender. I mean, isn't it true? I mean, if you have a home mortgage, you know this to be true. If you have a credit card uh, payment, you know this to be true. They're not going to forget about you. Like, they're going to keep coming for you month after month. And, you know, debt... Well, debt, it has this ability, this power to really enslave us and to cripple us in some ways that hold us back, that prevent us from seeing what could be. Uh, That has a way of getting into marriages and relationships and causing so much pain. And I I just want to say, like, it's time to break the cycle. Like, we, we ought to be people as followers of Jesus that are committed to breaking the cycle. Like, it's time to start thinking differently about the way we view and use and manage money. And you've maybe seen this before. It's funny. Check this out. Oh, I just can't get these numbers to add up. Like we're never going to get out of this hole. Credit card debt, does it ever end? <laughs> maybe I can help. We sure could use it. We've tried debt consolidation companies. We've even taken out loans to help make payments. Well, you're not the only ones. Did you know millions of Americans live with debt they cannot control? That's why I developed this unique new program for managing your debt. It's called Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. Oh, let me see that. If you don't have any money, you should not buy anything. Hmm, sounds interesting. Sounds confusing. I don't know, honey. This makes a lot of sense. There's a whole section here on how to buy expensive things using money you save. Give me that. And where would you get this saved money? I tell you where and how in Chapter 3. Okay, but what if I want something but I don't have any money? You don't buy it. Well, let's say I don't have enough money to buy something. Should I buy it anyway? No. (laughs) Now I'm really confused. It's a little confusing at first. Well, what if you have the money? Can you buy something? Yes. Now take the money away. Same story? Nope. You shouldn't buy stuff when you don't have the money. (laughs) I think I got it. I buy something I want and then hope that I can pay for it, right? (laughs) No. You make sure you have money, then you buy it. Oh, then you buy it. But shouldn't you buy it before you have the money? No. Why not? It's in the book. It's only one page long. (laughs) The advice is priceless, and the book is free. Wow, I like the sound of that. Yeah, we can put it on our credit card. (laughs) So get out of debt now. Write for your free copy of Don't Buy Stuff You Cannot Afford. And if you order now, you'll also receive Seriously, If You Don't Have the Money, Don't Buy It, along with a 12-month subscription to Stop Buying Stuff magazine. So order today. Aha, right. That's good, isn't it? It's true. We laugh. Yeah, I mean, we laugh about it because it's true. It's true in, in so many different ways. But what, what does a good financial plan look like when it comes to, to savings and debt? We, we love one of the ministries that we have here at Genesis. It's called Financial Peace University. Just by a show of hands, how many of you have gone through FBU before at some time or another? All right, lots of you in the room. It's, it's a great program. If you've ever heard of Dave Ramsey before, it's a nine-week class that we've offered here different times throughout the year. And it just has a lot to do with these practices that we're talking about. But
but even more so in, in very practical ways, like how, how to save and what you should be saving for and the types of savings plans you should incorporate and really what it means to live on a budget. But they've got a lot to say about you know, preparing yourself for those emergencies. Dave Ramsey talks about having a $1,000 emergency fund. And again, why do you have an emergency fund? Because there are going to be some emergencies. Like you need, to, you need to set some money aside for these things that are going to come up. A, a big focus of it has to do with debt reduction. And so uh, Dave Ramsey works through what he is called the, the debt snowball uh, method. And it's just this idea of listing out your debts. I mean, you, you're going to find it incredibly helpful to go through something like this and just simply list out your debts. I mean, it, again, just to see it and then to have a plan and working through each of those debts one by one and eliminating that debt. And, and what a great thing that can be to do so in a class or you know, even outside of the class. Let me, let me just share with you one story of one family uh, that went through FPU uh, would have been earlier this win- year, early in the winter. Uh, Matt and Katrina Howard lead FPU here at our Carmel campus, and they had a family complete the class, and then several months passed, and then uh, Matt and Katrina got this email. Uh, and here's what the family said about their time at FPU. We did it. They, they write, our, our house sold for full asking price the day it was listed, even after raising the price per your suggestion. Uh, They said in May, and we moved to our new rental house a week and a half ago. To date, we have paid off $146,363, not a typo, they write, in debt. We still have Bud's student loans to go, but now we have a huge chunk to throw at those student loans every month. Since we we don't have all of the other debt payments, our current plan is to be debt-free by our our anniversary next June and have our emergency fund fully fully funded by next Christmas. Now, are they there yet? They're not there yet. Uh, has it required some tough decisions? Yeah, they, they've had to make some really tough decisions. Do they regret it? They don't regret it. Like, they, they love what's happening in, in their family. They even see how the Lord is working in their lives. Like, I mean, I, I just think we have to be willing to ask ourselves this. Is it possible to, give out of, to get out of debt and live debt-free? I want you to know it's possible, and it's a really, really good thing. Like, can you imagine? Like, just think about this for a moment. No matter your situation, can you imagine living debt-free even if it took two years or five years or or ten years? And and once that debt is gone, you get proactive about saving for short-term goals. You know, you get proactive about saving for long-term goals. Uh, You've you've seen examples like this before. I want to just show you the possibilities of living by 10-10-80 uh, in, in this one couple's life. Suppose you've got a couple, they're 25 and newly married. Between them, they make $55,000 a year. Not a lot, but not unusual. And, and if they follow the 10-10-80 plan, by the time they reach 65, they will give given back $220,000 back to God, and they will have saved $2.5 million for retirement. And all of this just assumes no raises in those 40 years, you know, or in, the changes in interest rates. And so... Uh, again, having a plan and engage in these basic practices, it can be a real game changer. And it can do so much, and it can lead to financial freedom. And this is what's fun, too. It can lead to real generosity and, and a joy uh, that comes in that giving. Last thing is this, and we're not going to spend much time on this, but it just has to do with your living uh, and how we live. Because if we're giving 10, if we're saving 10, then you, basically, the basic math is you live off of 80%. You just you put together a budget that is 80% of your income. And that's only possible, again, if you're willing to live by the first two, you know, and if you're willing to live within your means. And so one of the things that FPU offers is a basic plan for things like paying your rent, paying your mortgage, utilities, transportation costs. You know, you know all these things, entertainment, clothes, 
and, and what's, le- what's left that in that 80 is you, that determines what your budget is and looks like. Uh, I'll end with this. Jenny and I, we went through FPU 10 years ago. I wish we would have gone through it when we were first married. And when we started the class, we had our home mortgage. Uh, we did not have any other debt, but we really didn't have a, an intentional plan for spending or saving. And so one of the greatest benefits for us in going through FPU was, was a budget and living on a budget and some better plans for our, for our savings. Uh, and then we started going after our final debt you know, our home. And I'll just say two and a half years ago, we paid off our home mortgage, which is just so fun. It's a great place to be. Some of you are there. You know what that's like. I like what Dave Ramsey says. You know what you can do when you're completely debt-free? He goes, whatever you feel like, you know? I mean, that, that's, that's the joy. That's the freedom that, that can, you know, come and, and being at a place like that. And it, it is a great feeling. And we're giving, and we continue to give, and we love that part where we're saving. Again, there is there's an incredible freedom in, in having that debt released, you know, moved, you know, from your life. But it, but it takes some work. But here, here's, here's what I want to wrap it up with. The most important thing we've ever done wasn't go through FPU or how much money we're putting away for college or savings. The most important thing we've ever done was make a decision to start returning to the Lord. And I share that with you with all of my heart because I am so grateful for the Lord and his patience with me, uh, for his grace and his provision. And I would rather live off of 90%, you know, of what the Lord has given to me by returning to him than 100% because he is faithful. And I know that so many of you here today, you, you already know that lesson because you've been living this way and you've seen the Lord's faithfulness and you've seen his provision and you are trusting him. Remember, this is a trust thing. He wants our complete and absolute trust. And so often he just knows that barrier to that complete trust. It's, it's finances for us. And so I don't know what move you need to make today. I, I don't know what the Lord is speaking into your heart and life. I hope it's not guilt. I hope it's not shame because that's not from him. All right, he's not a God of guilt and shame. But I hope he's one that is speaking to you today saying, hey, you can move from here to there. There is a, another place to be that if you'll trust me, if you'll trust me, I can do even more in your heart and in your life and in your faith. Let's pray. God, we thank you, and uh, we are grateful for you. We are grateful that you have modeled the way for us. You've modeled the way for living and sacrifice and generosity, and uh, so much of that is seen in your son, Jesus Christ. And uh, we thank you, Lord, uh, for Jesus and for the life that we have in him, and we thank you, Lord, for this this encouragement of this promise that, that you want us to be completely free, faithful, trusting people uh, in this world. And, and Father, I know you know every life here today. You know every story. And we just pray for your continued guidance and leadership and provision in every life, in every marriage, and in every home. Father, I pray you would continue your work in me. I know that so often I want to put my dependence on something like finances or anything else for that matter. But you want all of me. You want all of my heart, Lord, and you want that for each of us. And I pray that it would be our desire, this church's desire, to live completely, absolutely sold out, dependent on you for everything we will ever need in this world. We trust you, Lord. It's our desire to trust you with everything. 